0: Welcome back, Yap fam. Today we're airing part 1 of a two-part Yap Classic series. We're replaying both of my interviews with Richard Moore, a sales guru with over 20 years of experience in online, in-person, and phone-based selling. His clients range from startups to nine-figure businesses. For the past several years, Richard has been focused on LinkedIn and helping businesses convert leads into sales on that platform. Just goes to show all the greats are prioritizing LinkedIn. If you want to generate more leads and grow your brand, take my May LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass. The link to sign up is in my show notes along with a discount code for all of my loyal young and profiters. In this episode, you'll learn how to cold call without annoying your customers, build meaningful relationships with your prospects, adjust your online content strategy to gain leads and avoid some of the common pitfalls of sales. And stay tuned for part two, which is coming out in a few weeks. Let's dive into part one of the laws of selling with Richard Moore. Hey, Richard, thanks for joining Young and Profiting Podcast. It's lovely to have you.
1: Thank you so much. A real honor to be on here and uh, a lot of amazing guests before me. So I hope I do you proud.
0: Awesome. So let's kick it off talking a little bit about your background. You used to work 12 hours a day in London before you decided to start your own company. And you also were a student who didn't do very well. And you flunked out of your exams in high school and just barely got into college. So how did you end up, you know, leaving your traditional nine to five? And how did you become a super seller when you couldn't even really manage high school very well?
1: Yeah, good points. The end part of work was a really bad space where I was doing uh, crazy hours every week and I really just knew it was time to move on. And I think what it is, is there's an interesting thread through my career and indeed this school and academia before that, is that I've always tried to do the best I possibly can. And if I can't, then I do something about it. And that's kind of the trend if you like. So I flunked my exams at high school, which meant I scraped into a very average university. Um, And my example of fixing that was that I then made sure I came top of the year at that university passed that degree and then went to a really good university and got a degree from a great place. So it was a top five university. So that was kind of my way of fixing it. And then it was the same with the career. It was like, you know, you can't do 60 to 80 hour weeks. And I was doing this for the best part of a year at times, so like really horrible, horrible space I was in. And it was, you know, I had a difficult time because I, you know, I had mortgages, cars, I had a, a wife and a young child as well. So I had to kind of be responsible. Um, but but I backed myself and I knew that I could sell because that's something I'd done so well uh, in my career and all of my career has been different forms of selling roles and taking that with me it was a case of saying you know I'm not going to have this dialogue of can I do it I hope it works out let's hope it doesn't go wrong it was just it is happening it's going to work force it through and I'm quite aggressive with myself when I need to be in order to get the outcome I'm after I suppose so I suppose your short version of that is it doesn't matter if you stumble, Mm -hmm. get up and fix it. And that's very much my theme through my life, I suppose.
0: So you started after college working a corporate job and then you transitioned to become an entrepreneur. So what was that thought process like? Why did you decide to kind of take the plunge? And did you start it as a side hustle or did you cut your day job cold turkey?
1: Yeah, so I'm very lucky in a way. My first job in 2002 was actually selling internet marketing. So it was a long time ago and people were like, really, the internet? But I really learned how to back myself. And what it meant was that when it came to taking the plunge about 10 years later, I was able to say, you've got this go do it and so i went cold turkey and as i was drawing to a close with my corporate job some people were asking me to do some offline consulting but rather than transitioning and doing it part time i was like let's go all in Mm. and you can just go for it and in fact my first thing other than a bit of consulting was i launched two taekwondo academies because i'd been coaching that in london for a while and i thought maybe this is something to start with and You know, to answer your question directly, the thought process was one born of perspective. I'd had a very, very hard year before that. I'd lost two very close family members. And when my daughter was born, she almost died a lot. And we actually lived literally in the hospital for three months. So I was commuting to London from there. So very hard time. And you've probably seen this more than most in your interviews on your podcast is that out of adversity often come new perspectives on the world and I just stopped you know what I mean I stopped moaning and complaining or looking for pity and started fixing stuff and just being a bit more grateful about where I was in my life I'm very able-bodied I have the capability to do great things I think and so I was like let's just go for it and it's a nice thing when you know you've got responsibility as well because it means you don't drop the ball because I'm accountable to a family as well as just to myself so I had all the right motivation. And I just wanted to make sure that I made the most of my life when some people weren't able to. They were kind of snuffed out early. So I don't want to go too deep on that if you don't need me to. But that was important for me.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And congrats on all your success. Thank you. So let's get into the crux of your expertise. You are known to be an incredible seller. Do you think that great salespeople are born or made?
1: I think they are made. I really do. I don't think they're born. I think there are circumstances that can happen to people. And to be fair, I suppose it's kind of been in my DNA that I've often looked for angles on things. When I was like 13, I built my first computer and sold it for £100. And I was a bit of a nerd. And (laughs) and I did like the taste of like trying to look for the angle on how I make a close on something. But I do feel that people are made and its exposure to scenarios where you might need to sell that get you comfortable in doing it. Both my degrees are in history, not in business, right? Mm. I didn't do an entrepreneurship course or anything like that, I just had time on the pitch. And the reason why I believe that selling is something you learn, is that although I had personality traits that might have helped a bit, I was always a very shy and introverted person, not the classical skill set you'd expect in someone who's selling, right? Yeah. And the first job was one where I had to sell because otherwise I hadn't got enough money. And my mother was very much the kind of person who pushed me. She said after university, you're not coming home, by the way, you need to go and get a job. And I didn't get funding for a PhD. So I had to find a job. And the first one I went for was simply a phone based selling job. And so I. Went okay let's try this then Mm. but in terms of the nuances and how I got good at selling it's just making sure I had that contact time you couldn't get me off the phone because I needed to crack it and spending money on books or on courses and things like that Mm -hmm. I'm very much a student of it as opposed to someone who's had it intrinsically built into me as I was born
0: so what are some of the skills that people should try to hone if they're trying to improve their selling like what is it that they should try to learn
1: yeah really good question it sounds cliche but often the cliches are true selling is a people sport people hate being sold to they hate being gamed the feeling of being gamed imagine think about all those ads you see on your mobile or when you're on facebook it really winds you up a bit so people need to feel a little bit more like it's an organic process Mm -hmm. people love to buy though And what you need to do is position yourself as someone who can offer value to sufficiently relevant and enough people that some people then pick themselves off and and buy. And the skills really are grounded in interpersonal skills so for me as an introvert as a shy person to start with someone who naturally wouldn't be able to open people up the way to do it was have contact time and i started by doing on the phone i actually do a lot of work now with shy and introverted people and helping them kind of learn those first steps and just exposure to people who might be interested parties or just simply other people is essential sitting behind your keyboard is a dangerous place to be because you're losing touch with those nuances and subtleties that actually are quite valuable when it comes to selling And I think from there, you know, you can learn structure. You can learn a process of selling. But really, if you get people, you hone the empathy side and being able to see things from their perspective and therefore react in a way that the prospect would like is where success lies at the moment, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. So you just mentioned a lot about getting that personal contact. And based on some of the research that we've done, I see that you're still a champion of cold calling, despite that it has a reputation of a method that's really going out of style. Totally. I personally hate when people cold call me. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> so tell me, why do you still encourage it?
1: well the short answer is because a lot of people still use it and pay me to help them with it and i think that doesn't mean that i'm championing something i don't believe in the good thing about it is that there are ways in which you can separate yourself from those who give it a bad name there is a right way of doing cold calling and what we've got to be is is really clear here if you're starting a business and you have no inbound traffic, if you haven't done content creation, if you've got no one who's warm as a lead, you have to go and manually close people. And learning how to open people up in a way that isn't irritating or parasitic is really wonderful because it allows you to move process along nice and swiftly but again what it comes down to is how to really understand the position the mindset of that person who is cold from whom you've earned nothing Mm -hmm. and how you're going to relate to that person in the first few seconds and it's all about sharing great wins for them rather than sounding cliche or like some kind of game show host just a little bit of well-placed research and doing it right means that you can warm them up and Probably the best bit of advice is if you can find someone who has a mutual contact of yours or where you have something in common, then everyone knows, sure, you know, this person's probably calling me to sell something. But at least you've got something in common or something to work off. Do you see what I mean? So, you know, for instance, when I first spoke to you before we recorded this podcast, I saw that you lived in Brooklyn and, you know, my sister had lived there for a few years. Even something on that high level is just at least something to break the ice I'm a big fan of it because it can get you results in the moment. Something like Facebook ads can be really effective, but that might take you a lot longer. And a lot of the sales methods out there are softer Mm -hmm. and more fulfilling in the stimulating sense, but they need a lot more runway, you know. Do I cold call? No, I don't. I use inbound. But for those who still use it, I think it can be applicable, but only if you recognise that it is dying because mostly people are irritated by it. If you do it wrong
0: yeah cool great advice i like your perspective Thank you. so let's talk about having the right pitch so mm. in sales i know that having the right pitch and kind of earning someone's attention is very important so what's your recipe for that
1: yeah there's a nice little formula i often give people there's lots of different ways of doing it but if people are taking notes then it is something along the lines of wins plus peer or mutual equals interest straight away And just to explain that, a win is like some kind of a benefit for that person. It's an explanation of the fact that you might be able to help them look good, make money, save money, save time, something along those lines. The problem is that on its own is met with cynicism, right? It's, you know, we're sceptical about someone who says, hey, I can make you lots of money, what's known as the big fat claim, and it doesn't work, and now you sound like everyone else who cold calls. But if you combine that... With a person or a contact or a connection or, or a business that has got the buy-in of that prospect, then you're in a better place. So what I'm saying is, if I was to cold call you, Hala, and say, hi, can I sell you something? It doesn't work. If I say, hi, I'd like to sell you something that can get you this win, it can help save you time, it probably still won't work because I've not earned the right you're not willing to buy into me. I've got to earn that right first. If I was to become the messenger and position this from a different perspective of maybe someone you know. So if I was to mention one of your team that I've worked with. but If I said something like, you know, hi, you don't know me, but I've worked with Timothy Tan, your business development manager. <laughs> OK, and Timothy and I've worked together for two years and I've been helping save him a lot of time with his business leads. I would just love to take a couple of minutes, grab a coffee with you to speak about it. I'm validated by proxy through Timothy Tan. You've gone through the pain of working out if he's a crazy guy or if he's all right. And if I'm good enough for him, then by proxy, I'm good enough for you. Do you see what I mean? And it's, yeah. And what it is, is it's taking cues from the offline world because you wouldn't sell to someone in the pub the first time you meet them what you do is you ask them how they're doing. And and it's a little bit awkward, but if you had a mutual contact, my goodness, it's easy. And it's just funny because the evidence of this working is staring everyone in the face. When you went to the last wedding you attended, Mm -hmm. the person sitting next to you at that table was the first thing you asked. So how do you know the bride or groom, you know? And you'd laugh and joke about what they did at university or how crazy they were on their stag do or whatever. And the reason why you can do that and you open up and the barrier is dropped because you have that mutual connection. So if they're good enough for one of us, they must be good enough for the other. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So leveraging that benefit in the win. Great. Good for you. You're talking about how the product can help. But no one believes it because we've been conditioned against it nowadays. But when it's attached to someone or a person that we believe in and we trust, then it goes a long way. And the thing is, even if you don't have a mutual connection, you could use a business that's well known. And that's why, for example, the Star Wars franchise, if they release a film that's terrible, everyone goes and watches it still, Mm -hmm. not because the film, it might be good or not, it's because it's a Star Wars film and there's a bunch of fans. And it's the same principle, you know, so you can leverage a brand that's well known. And of course you can leverage people that are connected. And so that little extra bit of research, you know, can go a long way.
0: Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Cool, so then how do we switch from this relationship building to then selling our actual product?
1: Yeah, I think this is the important part is that people have this issue of connecting with people, building a network, even a community, and they're like, how do I pivot that into a monetized moment? Mm-hmm. The way you do it is you're looking for what's known as a cue. Okay, so a cue is like a compliment or some form of engagement from that person that suggests that you're being useful so if I focus on them if I focus on giving them some wins and talking about how I've helped Timothy Tan and all the a few anecdotes or war stories that might help a bit but what I need to do is get you talking so ask some questions along the lines of if you think that might be useful and if I get any form of positivity from you then that's you essentially saying you've earned the right Richard to now ask me something and that's the point where I can say do you know I really think I could help you. Would you like to explore what that might look like? And you don't have to be pushy. You just simply have to position it in front of someone who's receptive. And if someone's not receptive, work harder at that front end of building rapport and taking your time and opening up with more questions. And then there is a lot of other techniques. But but that's a really important part is kind of being a bit more patient. Don't try and hard pivot into right now let me talk about my thing Mm -hmm. try and have it more conversational and again that's what people would prefer these days
0: so like what's an example of a cue that your prospect would give you
1: totally and this is how i started doing online consulting i would open 20 new conversations per day when I started out and I would start them on Facebook Messenger and I would just get engaged with people, just have a chat, talk about things we had in common. I would make sure, you know, maybe in the same group or something. And we would talk about what we did because you naturally do. And for some of them, they might ask something about what I do. And then I would give them a bit of value and some ideas. And I'd say, do you know what? I'd never looked at it that way. Or, wow, that's really inspiring. Mm. Or, oh, my God, that's a really good way of putting it, Richard. And what it is is if you're genuinely good at what you do or if you have a product that genuinely can help then that will come through and that earns you the right to get these compliments and that compliment is the moment when that person's saying you know what you've earned now the opportunity to ask me something and that ask is would you like to explore it a bit more or even something like back then i would say well look i know i can help you here Thanks so much for that compliment. I know I can help you here. Why don't we hop on a call and or why don't we meet up or something like that? And there's no pressure. Because, you know, I'm not going to win with every single one, but it's about exploring those things and no need for pressure at all. Just simply keep them feeling good. The advice I give to those who are nervous about this or lack a bit of confidence is, no problem, go for the second cue. Mm. And by the time you get the second cue, it's like, okay, that person is like screaming out now. Okay, I really think you're great and valuable. So now's the time. Got it. And you know what? If you don't get the cue, so work harder. So be more useful. And if you screw it up, well, then that's that. Try again with someone else. And I think being cool with the fact that you're not going to win them all is important as well.
0: Speaking of that, you have an interesting story about a customer in one of your Taekwondo academies. And you talk about how they're not your highest paying customer, but they're great advocates of your business. And they earn you a lot of income indirectly. And you still say that people who don't buy from you still have an opportunity to become your advocate. So can you explain that principle and how we can leverage it?
1: This is so important nowadays. A customer is no longer a single entity. It really isn't. And someone who doesn't buy is not a lost cause. If I look at my profile on LinkedIn it will say this many thousands of people have viewed your profile this month and they haven't all converted to sales but plenty of them stick and turn into something and it was the same with this customer she was paying a lower level of subscription to my taekwondo academy this is a few years back and she loved it so much she was never gonna buy more because she was a mum, she had children, she wasn't gonna attend more classes. Mm-hmm. But because she loved it so much, she told her friends. And, and the thing you gotta remember, especially online, is if you do something good for a single person, they might share your stuff amongst loads in their network. I've got people who have followed my live Q&As for almost three years now, since they started. I've got some of them who are broke and they would never buy a thing right Mm -hmm. but they share everything they love everything they do everything they can because they love being part of the ecosystem and so building those advocates are essential because everyone has a network nowadays if you post something about me online some of your network who've never heard of me will see me and that's why even though doing something like a podcast isn't something you necessarily get paid for it's worth doing because there are more people than just you hearing me speak. Do you see what I mean? So thinking about that network's essential.
0: What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage. And even the, did we just hit a million orders stage? And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI super powered sidekick, ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting, and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting. I wanna talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all scrappy hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast and hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are gonna roll up their sleeves. But luckily when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cool. So the next question is really to calibrate for those who may not be so familiar with sales. Mm. I've got listeners who do all different kinds of things. Yeah. So can you describe one of your sales funnels for any of your businesses just to like walk through what a sales funnel is and yeah. kind of give it a live example?
1: The concept is really simple. Imagine the shape of a funnel, obviously the bottom being the thinner part. At the bottom of the funnel is where your customers drop out. At the very top, it's wider to receive a volume of people. And that's crucial at the start. So, what you need to do at the beginning of your sales funnel is create something that's going to attract a mass, so a large number, of ideally fairly relevant people. From that set of fairly relevant people, they will go through a number of hoops or jump through a number of gates and consume consume number of types of content or whatever it might be and move to a place where less and less of them come through but ultimately there's a piece of business or whatever conversion you're after. So an example of that, I'm going to use this one because this is one that everyone can do, Mm -hmm. is one that is free, okay? And that's using the power of your social media platforms. And the best organic traffic online in 2019 is on LinkedIn, It's better than Facebook and Instagram and so on. It is LinkedIn right now. So as a content platform, if you post a piece of content and you do it the right way in terms of working your community and connecting with contacts and showing appreciation by engaging with those who write comments and so on, what happens is you're leveraging one of the most useful parts of human psychology, which is curiosity. Human curiosity is so powerful. It's the reason why cars slow down when there's an accident at the other side of the road. People can't help themselves. They have to look. It's the reason why when you meet someone in in the bar, when you go home, you check out their Facebook to see what they're really like. Or when you meet someone in business, you have a look at their LinkedIn profile. So just by being interesting and of value and having something to say in your space it means that people, as I call it, they come into orbit around you you're providing a sense of gravity against a topic at the top of your funnel it's essentially you have some sense of pure signal that you're going to put out so maybe for me for instance i'll talk a lot about how to generate engagement online because that's one of my sweet spots or how to do well on linkedin or how to sell for instance just mm-hmm. tips and ideas more people will check that out than anything else but some of them because they can't help themselves and that's because they're people they will say who's this richard guy Some will say, I don't care, and then we'll move on, no problem. But some will say, let's just click on his link. Now they're on my profile. So that's a step further down the funnel. And then a few of them will look through the actual information. Oh, look, he's got this Basics of Sales course. Or they'll click on my website for more information. So, you know, you might have 4,000 people look at a piece of content, 570 look at the profile, then... 89, go to my website, 16, look at the landing page for um, the basics of sales and then four buy it. And that might seem like terrible numbers, but do that every day and you soon move to a wonderful place where people like you invite people like me onto podcasts.
0: (laughs) That's great. Thanks for that advice. So let's move on to some of the pitfalls of sales. What are some big mistakes that people typically make and how can we avoid them?
1: one of the biggest issues is also uh, to do with being a human is that you have to manage your head and to start it's a very emotional thing because you invest a lot in it and ultimately you might be selling a product for the right reason my events raise money for charity and i'm really doing my best to educate and help people but ultimately there is a money component there as well that i'm trying to to sell and you know, if you don't get a sale, it can really hurt you, especially if it's a big one you've worked on and so on. So a way in which you can handle this is to recognise that you won't win them all. Mm -hmm. You simply don't. I'm really fortunate that I've worked with some of the greatest salespeople, some that make huge amounts of money. And for all of them, none of them are infallible. They make mistakes. And you've got to kind of be at peace with the fact that they're not always going to go your way. And the best way to hack that, well, there's kind of two ways. One is to have enough prospects in what's known as your pipeline enough people you're speaking to that it doesn't really matter if you lose some you know it's like that thing of if you win the lottery it doesn't matter if you lose fifty dollars right if -hmm. you only have fifty dollars in the world now it really matters So it's the same here enough prospects helps you a lot and the other thing as well is harder but it's so essential is ironically don't focus on the money so much focus on doing a really good job and i know this might sound cheesy but if you look at the reason why you're really doing it look at the reason you know the reason why the person at the other end of the desk or phone might be wanting to buy like what's the relationship or outcome they might be after do it for good reasons and you'll end up you know focusing on the reasons why someone should be involved rather than your deal and your money and ultimately the reason why i feel i do well in sales now is because i'm of course i'm interested in closing things but at the same time i'm patient and some people will be a deal or a sale within 10 minutes and some people will take months you know Mm -hmm. and that's cool and as long as you have enough then you have the fun of engaging with different levels of people that take different amounts of time so just try it to not focus on just making money all the time. Focus on doing a great job and have enough prospects out there that it is okay and you can be patient. I can hold my breath forever. And it <laughs> means that if someone's like, no, not now, or, 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 you know, they don't buy for a long time, I'm okay with it because you have alternatives and... That's not the point anyway. I suppose what I'm saying is I enjoy the process of engaging with people. And if they turn into deals, then that's wonderful. Uh, And it's kind of a nicer organic way of selling, right?
0: So do you like keep tabs on how many meetings or conversations you have with each person? I know that in the past, you've mentioned it takes six to eight meetings for a cold prospect before they can turn into a sale. Is there a point where you're like, this is just a waste of time and I can't talk to you anymore? Or do you just keep it going?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because the more you move towards corporates and businesses, the more they want to audit that kind of thing. And I get that. On average, it's six to eight touch points or points of contact on average that it takes to engage someone. And that might be messages. That might be meetings. It depends on what you're selling, I suppose. I don't as much. What that number is, is a reflection of The reality of how many times you'll probably be in touch with someone in some form or other. But in terms of taking a note of it, I don't tend to do it so much because it's organic. Some things you can be robotic about. Some things you should say to yourself, as I did. How many people am I starting new conversations with each day? so that you don't think a day's going really well because you had a nice chat with someone but you feel like a day's going really well because you had 10 nice chats with people and that's one of your kind of uh, points of focus but I do mm-hmm. do my best to remember that when I'm in a process with someone it's now down to the individual so doing a piece of business with you will be different to doing a piece of business with our celebrity timothy tan so it might be that he takes six months he might have been burnt in the past it might be that he's just closed a big deal and is feeling really flush and and i think forgetting certain things like that is a good idea work with the person in front of you you can nudge and you can create urgency but ultimately you need to feel or they need to feel like they are kind of in control of the agenda to a degree otherwise they'll feel like they're being backed into a corner and again Mm. then they feel like they're being sold to
0: Another mistake in sales is that sometimes people really focus on the product, like what's so cool about the product, and they forget about the customer needs and what the customer is trying to solve. So do you have any tips on how we can uncover what a prospect is actually trying to solve?
1: This is absolutely huge. I'm thrilled you brought this up because this is something that's so overlooked. It's so overlooked, especially by the kind of solopreneur and startup space. And the reason why they overlook it is because they are in love with their baby, which is the product they've been polishing, and they really want everyone to love it. And so naturally, they want to evangelize about all the little bells and whistles. But the fact is that no one cares. And the the answer to your point is so fundamental to good selling, And it's also the reason salespeople can have a very bad name. And it's because the product, this might sound crazy, but the product doesn't matter at all. The reason why someone buys something is relevant to the product to about 10%. The rest is about the connection. So if I take a perfect example, something you might have, like an iPhone. The iPhone is the device. You don't buy an iPhone. You buy looking good. The reason why you don't have a BlackBerry is that it's not cool right now. People buy an iPhone because it makes a statement of, I have an $800 phone and I'm part of a tribe and I buy into the values of Apple. And you buy things because as a human, they make you look or feel good. They make you money they save you money perhaps they save you time that's the reason why we buy stuff the reason why people buy a Ferrari isn't to buy the Ferrari they buy that device because it makes them look good feel successful and probably get more attention from people and that's what you're actually buying and there's a very famous marketer called Seth Godin who says that the product is the souvenir of that process of buying these outcomes. Mm. So in practical terms, what we need to be doing is remembering that if the product is just the device for someone to get these wins, as I've called them, so looking good, making money, whatever, and everything does genuinely reduce down to those base things, then what we need to do is focus on those outcomes for that person. So like I suggested in the, in the example earlier, if I talk to you about how I've helped Timothy Tan save time, look good in not so many words, more of an elegant way <laughs> and make money, then that's compelling. If I talk about a product and how it works and you know whatever screen size it has and stuff like that, that's just boring because people don't care unless you're part of a very, very small minority of people who are buying something for a particular set of product reasons. But in the main, it's about giving someone a set of outcomes, being a great connection as well. And so being someone who's cool and that's trustworthy and builds familiarity. And the product is, as I say, it's simply the device. I know it sounds crazy, but if you break it down to looking at the psychology and behavior, that's actually why we buy stuff.
0: We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Very cool. I loved all that advice. So let's move on to social selling. It's something you were mentioning before. Everyone's trying to do it, but not many people get it right. Mm -hmm. So what are the types of habits that we need to build into our social media strategy? And how do we actually convert engagement into leads?
1: So to handle the first part, I have kind of a process I use called the care process, C-A-R-E, which I developed many years ago. And it's just a really solid way of getting it right. So C stands for consistency, which means you need to show up, you know, each day in a number of ways, both in terms of content, but also in terms of with the community and community is far more important than content far more it's about the people that are in your network and keeping them warm and you know people who will advocate for you it's dropping them a dm every so often or seeing how they're doing or checking into their content and and supporting them and so on so being consistent in that sense a is for abundance because you could be consistent and show up with one piece of content once a month but that's not going to be enough because there is a thing called an algorithm, plus also you drop off people's radar, right? So a level of frequency that's going to help you. For instance, LinkedIn, I post about once-ish a day, so maybe four or five times a week is all I do, but at least that's enough that I don't drop off people's radar. So that kind of level of abundance is important. Mm -hmm. And cumulatively across a day, I might spend between an hour and an hour and a half in that abundant space engaging with people's comments and on their posts and things like that and r is for relevancy you'll see there aren't any videos of cats playing xylophones because that would be a bit confusing right you need to put out that kind of pure signal about what it is you do and so if you look at when people create lists are here's a guy i know who does this kind of thing people always talk about online engagement and sales and now increasingly talk about the events i do because that's the pure signal they get from me Mm -hmm. if someone wants to speak to someone about finance they don't naturally think of me because there's no content suggesting that so you need to keep that clarity and that constant pure signal about what it is you do relevancy is huge and then the e of care is engagement and this is one of the areas where people fail the most and this is answering your second part which is how you get conversion from you know from connections into leads the engagement is everything so many people post and run Mm -hmm. you know so many people post and leave it at that some people even post and check in and and they see they get a few likes and comments and don't engage the game is in the comments and Mm -hmm. the community Your content will not do the selling. The content is the gravity to get people into orbit around you. And if you don't validate their decision to like or comment or even share your stuff by giving something back, such as a meaningful comment in return, they just won't show up again. And I've used this analogy before. It sounds a bit awful, but, you know, if a dog does a trick you give them a treat, right? So it's the same here, if someone shows up for you and writes, wow, I loved this post, this is really useful, to not give them something to validate that decision is absurd, it's almost rude, right? So give them a meaningful comment back. That engagement is the reason why people will then show up again. And again, it's algorithmic, but it's also you're you're treating them well, making them feel good, and it's like, wow, the person who did this content is now writing me a comment back. So don't write Mm -hmm. thanks, write that's really kind of you, thanks very much, maybe chuck them a DM, go crazy. When you're starting out, this is what I first did, my first ever bits of content, if someone dared like it, I would send them a message and say thank you for liking it. And a lot of people overlook that, like, oh, I've just got a few likes, I've got no leads. It's like, no man, likes are leads, they're sitting right there, you've just gotta go and warm them up. So what people need to do, and this is the mistake I think, is that you need to come down from your throne Go into the people who are spending some time on your stuff and have some kind of discourse with them do that every day and then people will start showing up for you and then they will convert and the nice thing is that they convert themselves a lot of the time they feel familiar and again this is a human thing familiarity is where trust is bred and trust is the thing you have to get if anyone's going to ever convert to a call an opt-in or a sale of something so the game really is that community and doing it really right is beyond comments and conversations and threads in your content, it's over on other people's as well, you know?
0: Young and profiters, I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that by 2030, over 85% of the jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? And that's why we need to acquire new skills and stay relevant and adaptable. By embracing lifelong learning, we can future-proof our careers and our businesses. That's why you've got to check out Economist Education. Economist Education provides online executive education courses tailor-made for professionals just like us, crafted by The Economist's own editors and special experts. Economist Education courses are designed to sharpen your professional skills in key areas like data storytelling, critical thinking, sustainability, and so much more. I highly recommend checking out the Economist Education course, Business Writing and Storytelling. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash profiting free with code profiting free. Yeah, that's amazing. I think you brought up so many good points. And personally, through my podcast, the only reason why my podcast has become successful is because I've grew a community on LinkedIn yes. and everybody shares my content. I have advocates, mm. and it's so important to build that community and take yeah. the time to get to know people. People all across the world, like you said, step off your throne and take some time to get to know the people who are supporting you. So last question before we go, you have a monetize you course where you say you're so convinced this course will generate income for your clients that you guarantee at least two paying customers within two weeks of completing the lessons. And you actually offer to give their money back if you don't make good on your promise.
1: Yes, with the caveat that you actually have to do what it says. <laughs> it's not like magic <laughs> gift, but uh, yes, hundred percent. Of
0: course, of course. Happy
1: to give money back if it didn't work, and no one's ever done that.
0: Yeah, and I had Mike Winnett on my show, who is a really interesting guest. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the UK's number one demotivational speaker, okay. and he uncovers entrepreneurs—so people who make false promises and prey on those who lack skills like motivation or follow through. You don't seem to be a entrepreneur at all. In fact. Um, You seem like the opposite, like your course actually works. So, can you tell us about your course, any success stories that came out of it, and where people can find it?
1: Yeah, well, thank you. There's been other courses as well. And I love this one. It's one of my babies because I was getting a bit sick and tired a while back about people selling courses, and essentially, people weren't buying the course. What they were buying was the hype. And Mm. the problem is that you have someone who has learned something really difficult or niche like Bitcoin or, you know, cryptocurrency or MLM or Forex trading. and something that you have to learn and they're like, oh, you can do it too. You can make lots of money. But the problem is that not only do you have to learn the process, you also have to learn this new skill. Mm -hmm. The concept of monetize you, because I was doing so much consulting with solopreneurs and startups is that you already know something probably really well that you could monetize. And this isn't to make you a millionaire necessarily. This might be that it makes you seven hundred dollars <laughs> or, or something like that. And and so what's essential about it is it's leveraging knowledge you already have. And what I would show is the process, literally the language. So in in the direct messages, at this moment when this thing happens, here's what you say, you know, and how you convert. And so literally the template itself. And it's so transparent that there's been wonderful success stories. And one of my favourites was a guy over in Australia. And he actually kind of, I think he did the course, but I was coaching through it. It was very early days. And he was an Uber driver. And he wanted to be a relationship coach to women. And the reason why was because he had always been, you know what it's like, it was always that guy that everyone confided in. He always had great advice and he was like, I'm just innately good at this. Everyone always comes to me for help. And it's like, here are some processes and steps that will just simply move you from a guy who knows stuff and knows it really well and gives good advice to how to monetize it. And I think within like two or three weeks and he was like, I've just made $2,000 here onboarding people. And the other one I've got to share was a guy who's, I think he was 21. And he was, like, he was just dabbling in trading on his phone. He was really good at it. You know, he made good profit every day. And all he did was, using the course, he opened a Facebook group, like a private Facebook group, and people paid, like I think it was like $20 a month to watch him. And he said, it's great, because I'm literally doing all I was doing before. The only difference is I'm saying it to a camera. So right now I'm gonna make this trade, here's the reason why. And $20 a month is nothing. But when you've got 50 people doing it, then 60, then 90, and then so on, and more people are watching it, now you've got this recurring revenue. And he's like, now I've got funds I can invest as well. So it doesn't matter what it is. There's been people who play video games and make money doing it, or someone I've worked with who makes flowers out of card. And it's the same kind of principle. So I love those. And... and If you do it right, as in if you follow the steps and actually put effort in, you get results because it's not difficult because it's knowing how to work with people. It's none of the rubbish. Oh, you can do it. Motivational stuff because that's not particularly useful when you need the practical right done right. You get results. That's why all my courses have money back guarantees, because if you do them properly, you do get results. Simple as that. But I'm very kind of focused on the practical, I suppose.
0: Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. So, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and keep up with your latest content?
1: Thank you. Um so I am probably most active now on LinkedIn. So if you're linkedin.com slash in slash Richard James Moore, Richard Moore was taken annoyingly, or you can go to my website and it's the richardmoore.com again, richardmoore.com was taken. So it's the Richard Moore and you can see all of my social places on there, but I'm happy to take any emails or questions. So you can DM me or Richard at the com. No problem.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, thanks so much. I love this interview. Appreciate your time.
1: Been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on here.